0: Hey there, and welcome to Watering Seeds, the podcast ministry of Covenant Reform Presbyterian Church in Asheville, North Carolina, where we seek to discuss and apply our most recent sermons, this time through the book of Esther. This time. This time. This is our last time. The last time. If you would like to access our sermons, you can go to covenantreformed.net slash sermons. Or you can go to SermonAudio.com and search Covenant Reformed Asheville. I'm here with Pastor Jim Curtis, who in, has in been the flesh. preaching through Esther for us. Jim, how are you today?
1: I'm doing really well. As I told you before we uh, began recording, uh, it's it's very, really interesting, right? So this is our last one <clears throat> on Esther. It's bittersweet. It is. Uh, but Bittersweet is actually uh, uh, the Book of Ruth, but good, good reference there uh, from uh, Naomi to Mara, right? Um, mm-hmm. But a uh, uh, little inside uh, Hebrew joke there for our, our avid listeners. Um, our anyway, avid it's Hebraus Hebraus that, that are right. <laughs> uh, So yeah, uh, it's been great. It's been uh, a, an incredible privilege to preach through uh, the Book of Esther. I think it, uh, for me personally, has been incredibly enriching. Uh, it's it's been a wonderful opportunity to take a deep dive into a story like that. Um, I've gotten a lot of comments that, from folks uh, who said that they've never heard a sermon through Esther before, sermon series through Esther before. I've gotten a lot of comments from folks that they haven't read Esther in a long time, mm. uh, and that's been uh, uh, this has been refreshing to them uh, to hear it. Uh, for me personally, this is probably the deepest dive I've ever done to Esther. Uh, and the last time I did it, obviously, it was in seminary, but it was, you know, in, in the, the course of other uh, other classes. But like I told you before we started recording, it's really interesting, you know, um, Pastor Sean's back yes, uh, to is. God's praise. And uh, we're really looking forward. Uh, we are excited to have him back. Um, uh, but it's really interesting that my mind has shifted back to Matthew, right, which is where Pastor Sean's mm-hmm. going to pick it back mm-hmm. up. Uh, and so you started uh, just mentioning things about my sermon last Sunday, and I was like, "Oh yeah, I preached the rester." <laughs> uh, so it's one of those things. Um, uh, but doing well uh, this week has been great to have him back. Um, this uh, this week has been refreshing to me. I've been able to pick some things back up off the table that have been gathering dust for these last few months, uh, and uh, looking forward to putting the final sort of conclusion on this series with you. As you said, it is really bitter a bow on it. Yeah, putting a bow on top of it, hopefully. Uh, that uh, uh, Rather than the final nail in the coffin, right? Uh, <laughs> hopefully it's a bow. Uh, but yeah, it, it really is just sort of personal. I mentioned this actually at the, be- the start of the sermon, didn't I? That you get to the end of a story, you get to the end of a book, and I personally, I think a lot of people s- sort of feel sad. Yeah, I mean, you, feel want, down. you want more. Yeah, and, um, you know, a lot of questions are left on the table, right? Um, a lot of good theological questions. A lot of historical questions are left on the table, mm-hmm. right? We didn't mm-hmm. get into a, a, a lot. What happens to Esther? When does she die? Mm-hmm. What happens to her? I mentioned early in the series that Xerxes is sort of paranoid, super paranoid about people trying to kill him. Right. Um, when when Mordecai undis- uh, discovers the plot, right, against the king's life. Well, Xerxes, we know historically, was assassinated. So what happened to Esther? What happened to Vashti? I mean, Vashti's forever gone, Forever yeah, gone, yeah. So, uh, yeah, a lot of different things. But honestly, I mean, this is a huge... I don't want to, you know, sound too sappy here. but This is a huge part of my life so far, to be able to come to Covenant Reformed and to have had this opportunity to preach through Esther. Mm-hmm. I really don't want to, you know, undersell this, that, that it really is a huge privilege. I will always remember this mm. uh, as a great opportunity. Um, as my first opportunity ever, actually in ministry, to preach through an entire series by myself consecutively through Sundays. Hmm. Um, And so, uh, yeah, I hope our our folks at Covenant Reformed have been refreshed and nourished by it. I am looking forward to, to Sean... Uh, coming back and finishing out Matthew, sort of a lot of stuff was left on the table there, right? We gotta get through that. Uh, looking forward to that, but uh, this was a very sweet time for me, and I'm I'm glad uh, to to have Sean back, but I'm also a little sad, and uh, I think that's okay. I hope it's okay. Yeah. If not, I'll get rebuked later. So, uh, what did you think? Can I ask you that? Uh, I'll put you on the spot. Normally, you ask me the question. I'm going to ask you the question. Yeah, I thought it was... uh, Be brutally honest. Be brutally honest. Don't grade me for them. We'll talk about that later. Okay. No, I... But what did you think?
0: I very much enjoyed uh, sort of your... uh, I don't want to call it your take on Esther, but I had not necessarily heard it preached like that. Honestly, I don't know that I've ever heard, like some of our listeners, I'm not sure I've ever heard anyone preach through Esther. Mm. So it was very, very good. You definitely changed uh, some of my perspectives on the book, even mm-hmm. even on Esther, um, sort of some of the moral aspects of mm-hmm. the book in terms of Esther and Mordecai. My opinions changed there mm-hmm. going through this. Yeah. Uh, so I very much profited from it as
1: well. Good. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. I'll be honest with you, and this is sort of a peek behind the curtain of preaching in general. Um, <clears throat> it's super interesting uh, being a preacher, because, um, you know, it, I, I'm trying to distill everything I did in, in, in all of the hours of prep throughout the week mm-hmm. into that that sort of—it it's all, it almost feels like a soundbite. I mean, it's not. You know it's not. But mm-hmm. it almost feels like that compared to the prep, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so you go through so many different perspectives, so many different opinions, just in the commentaries. But I go through so many, and I think every preacher goes through so many iterations of how am I going to do this? How am I going to emphasize that? You know, how do I understand this? So I understand it one way on Tuesday, and then Wednesday I do a little more word study or something like that, and I change my mind and that sort of stuff. So I appreciate you mentioning um, uh, changing opinions, because my opinion has changed Hmm. through preaching the book. Uh, Before I I did the deep dive, the deep study, to prepare for this series, I... um, I definitely sort of had that more romantic Disney princess type view. Right. A night with the king. Right, right, right. And, um, and I, I mean, I'm, I'm not... I hope I didn't dog on that too much to the series. But, you know, it, there are a lot of real moral questions that are just completely left unanswered. And I think we should wrestle with that. I think we should be okay dealing with the difficulty of the text. And so, honestly, on, on, on that score... The series was actually really difficult. It's incredibly difficult to preach because I knew that there's sort of this stereotype out there. Mm-hmm. And when I looked at the book, I was like, why, why does this book have that stereotype? And part of it has to be um, we're like way afield of your questions here. So just cut me <laughs> off when you're ready to start. But some of it has to be like the end of the book is great. It really is, right? We mentioned that in the sermon. It's, 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 um, it's there's celebration, right? You're mm-hmm. feasting in peace, right? The feast of, of Xerxes at the beginning of the book is contrasted significantly with the feasting at the end of the right, book. The right. first feast of Xerxes was super arrogant. It was at the end of a war, but it was sort of to prevent more war, right? right? Whereas the the relief, uh, or excuse me, the feasting at the end of the book is more of a feasting of relief. Mm -hmm. Um, and Mordecai sought peace for all all of his people, right? sought to speak peace to all his people. So um, I think we can get to the end of the book, and we're like, oh, man, yeah. And that sort of maybe takes over our view of of the earlier chapters. Um, And there's good reason there. I mean, obviously, we celebrate what God has done. But um, uh, at the same time, it, it doesn't solve the moral ambiguity from earlier in the book. Mm -hmm. So all that to say, I'm glad to hear that 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 happened. I I want to just say, and to add to it, my opinion shifted a lot. (laughs) Um, And, uh, uh, you know, uh, I, I I think that's a great exercise of the Christian faith is letting the Bible sort of dictate its own terms. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And my thoughts need to shift to the text, right? Right. Need to shift. The to Bible God's shapes thoughts. us; we don't shape the Bible. Exactly. Exactly. So I'm glad to hear that that happened with you. I'm glad to hear that it um, has happened with many of the folks in our congregation, and I'm certainly glad that the Lord has brought me into a, a deeper love and appreciation for the story of Esther. Mm. It's been great.
0: I think most of all, you know, the best thing throughout this series is that I felt like Jesus Christ was preached from the text faithfully. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that was the biggest plus of the. Whole series.
1: Yeah. So, um, our listeners may remember the the beginning podcast to the series was actually with a friend of mine named Darren Moore, mm-hmm. who's a minister in Chelmsford, England, right right outside of London. Mm-hmm. And he and I worked together, uh, sort of this is sort of a side hobby, side gig for me. Uh, I don't get paid for it, um, with uh, Gospel Reformation UK. Mm hmm. Which gruk it last podcast? Say it again. You plugged for it last. Podcast. I did. You're right. You're right. And I'll plug it again. Grukology. Grukology on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Android Podcasts. Anywhere you find podcasts. Grukology. Um No, but we we just did a podcast yesterday on it, and uh, or not on it, but I mentioned that I had been I had just preached through Esther, and it was remarkable how Jesus, um, how God is not mentioned. Right. That's the big sort of question right, as you right. begin the book. But Jesus is everywhere, man. It's incredible how, um, you know, we try and do this. We try and and do the Luke 24, Road to Emmaus principle every time we preach, because we're preaching Christ and Him crucified, right? Mm -hmm. And so some texts, super easy. Some texts are very hard, right? Um, Like one of my evening sermons recently with David bringing Absalom back to Jerusalem. Um, It was really difficult for me in that sermon to find like, okay, where are you, Lord? Like I just, you know, right. you know, and maybe it's obvious to some people, but for some reason that text was an enigma to me. Right, right. <clears throat> um, I never had that in the book of Esther. Hmm. It was remarkable how I would read it, I would do my study, I would do my outlining of it, I would I would get into it. And he just became very clear, very apparent everywhere. So it's just remarkable how that how the Lord has sort of shaped my understanding of the scriptures in that way too. Hmm. Absolutely. All right, well, let's, let's jump into some let's material Let's jump into the podcast now, now that we're 11 minutes in. <laughs> <laughs> let's do that. This might be a long one for our listeners, and but it's right. the finale. So, yeah, that's right. We're you know, going two hours today. Yes, two hours. Special, well, so.
0: special one. Yes, right. absolutely. Well, anyway, Pastor Jim, it's time for the proposition moment. Ooh. Cue the music yeah. <laughs> that
1: we don't have. All of our listeners will have heard a proposition at our last evening service where Cooper uh, Starnes preached for us. That was wonderful. And uh, uh, I I really appreciated this about his preaching. He just came out and told us. He highlighted. He said, This is my proposition. And I was like, Hey, there we we go. Uh, And, uh, you know, it's funny. Cooper and I went to the same seminary. So uh, there it is. Uh, Mm -hmm. Maybe you can see some parallels in our preaching there Uh, (laughs) and see uh, uh, how we were very influenced uh, by the same people. Anyway, sorry. Yes, my Mm -hmm. proposition Mm -hmm. was You tell me. Your, Your proposition was, let's see if I get it
0: correct only Jesus Christ can fully bring peace
1: did I word that correctly amen amen I went through a few iterations of that proposition okay all right um, only Jesus Christ can redeem can fully redeem only Jesus Christ can fully bring peace only Jesus Christ can <clears throat> excuse me uh, only Jesus Christ can fully uh, uh, save you know I, I went through a bunch of iterations and I, and I landed on I think it, by the time by the time you get to the end of chapter 10. It's very obvious that Esther is a little bit Jesus-y, but so is Mordecai, mm-hmm. right? But Mordecai's kind of us, but kind of Jesus. And, you know, the Old Testament loves to do this where it's sort of more of a melting pot than it is sort of a, you know, scientific precision one-to-one. That's Jesus, right. that's me right. in stories. And I think that's great. I think it's wonderful. Um, but that that last little bit of Mordecai speaking peace. To his people. It just seems so obviously typolog- typological of Jesus, right? you know? Right. Um, so yeah, only Jesus Christ can fully bring peace to his people. Right, right. right. Uh, and you- and uh, uh, the word fully there is doing a lot of work, as it should, <laughs> as it should.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, uh, so your three points of your sermon... As every good sermon a has three points. Uh, don't say that, because the sermon before that had two points, but <laughs> keep going, getting, keep going. Uh, so uh, you said that God uses difficulty, celebration, and anticipation to remind us of that truth. Mm-hmm. Those are your three to points. To encourage in us sermon. in it. Yeah, that's right. Now, Jim, right. I want to give you, uh, before we jump into some of our questions, I think there was something you wanted to mention or clarify. Yes. Um about the fact that the Jews did not take the plunder, right? Is that correct?
1: Yeah. So we'll we'll we'll, just, we'll talk about the difficulty a little bit. The one of the hardest things to do in preaching is to leave things out. Mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. There's always more you can say. Sure. Um, and one of the things that that I I re- like I went back and forth on this, and even in preaching it, I had it in my notes, but I, I on the fly. I said, no, I think it's better to leave it off, and we'll just pick it up in the podcast. So I appreciate you giving me this opportunity. Mm-hmm. It was the fact that <clears throat> when the Jews did not take the plunder, there's two things that that um, really strike should strike the reader. And, and it's not immediately obvious to us, because we don't live in ancient Persia mm-hmm. or the ancient Near East, right? We live in the West. And um, those two things are, one, the king allowed them to, right? And I think I said that, actually, in the sermon— and it's remarkable that the Jews would have not taken that opportunity to enrich themselves, mm-hmm. right? Uh, on the basis of the king's allowance of it, and but what's sort of baked into that is, do you remember who wrote the decree to allow them to take the plunder? Mm-hmm. Who was it? Let's see. Who wrote it? Dec- well, it starts with an M. Mordecai. Mordecai. Yeah. That's right. So, uh, what's interesting is that Mordecai bakes in that allowance. It's not King Ahasuerus. It's not King Xerxes is uh, um, going for it. It's not him right. saying, yeah, yeah oh, you know what? This is a great opportunity for you guys to sort of build yourselves up and I want to support you in that way or whatever. Mordecai is the one who wrote it. Hmm. And so it's very interesting to, to note that, that Mordecai built that allowance in there and then the Jewish people were like, no. Hmm. Um, and that leads, I think, to the second one, which I didn't mention and which may be less obvious. And that is that the Persians would have looked at this and cocked an eyebrow, they mm. would have been very confused by this, right? Right. Because it's your right to take the plunder, uh, in in this scenario. Mm. That's how you actually sort of recoup your losses. Sure. Right? To the victor so,
0: goes the spoils.
1: Exactly. Country. And so this is this is somewhat obvious when you think about it, right? So consider, for example, the the the, the conflict in Ukraine. Okay. Uh, if if you take any few minutes to go look at the pictures, go look at some of the videos, go look at uh, even just news articles if pictures are, are a little too much for you. You'll notice like, like Ukraine is actually bombing their own bridges and their own infrastructure to prevent the Russians from advancing and retreating, right? I mean, they're right. they're, they're waging war in a very smart way, okay? Mm-hmm. But what they're doing is they're knocking out their own stuff, mm-hmm. right? Right. And so, what should happen, hopefully, is that Russia loses. That's my—I I believe that that this is an unjust war from their perspective. I mm-hmm. think that they need to retreat. I think they need to leave Ukraine alone. And then I think Russia needs to pay them a bunch of money, or make restitution of some kind, uh, because Ukraine is not going to be able to foot the bill right. in and of themselves. Mm-hmm. Right. So, because war is by its nature destructive. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, uh, go with me to a biblical example of this. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar, right, comes in, and he conquers the southern kingdom, Mm -hmm. right, in the exile. And when he does that, what does he do? Where does he go? To the temple. What does he take? All the gold, all the silver, all the valuables. Why? So that he can pay his army, right? So, so in the ancient Near East, actually, what's interesting is, it's a gamble. War is a gamble. Sure. To a degree, right? That you know you probably don't have enough money to pay the army for this long campaign so what you what you do is you you, you sort of put it on them yeah right you promise
0: them if you do this right. then you get all these riches
1: and so i mentioned in the in, in that in the sermon a little bit where i was in the army we got paid ahead of time okay right <laughs> yeah <I laughs> very really different these <laughs> days there it was sort of your motivation to win was what's behind that army which is all the spoils right mm-hmm. so the jews not taking it the Persians would have been like what are you doing why wh- no this is the basic way you 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 mm-hmm. do this like you're and and what it tells i think what i hope uh it tells us and what i i think it communicated to the persians is that <clears throat> what the jews are doing is very different uh what the jews are doing is 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 very unique uh and so it should shout out to us that it's it's not just weird from the perspective of we want the Jews to win. It's weird from the Persians' perspective, too. Mm. And what I think that does is it tells the Persians, we're not your enemy. Right? The So so notice how many people die in Susa, right? It's, it's 500 people or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not that many people. If you think about it, I mean, Susa's probably got several hundreds of thousands of people at that mm-hmm. point. It's the capital of the empire. Um, anybody who's anybody is trying to live there, Right? Um and only 500 people die. Now, probably more fought. Sure. Right? But that's not the number we would think. Right? Right. Um, and so when you, when you sort of put it in that perspective, you realize, okay, the Jews are defeating their enemies, but their enemies aren't as numerous as maybe we've been considering. And when you put it in that perspective, the Jews are actually making a statement to the Persians. We don't watch your stuff. We're not here to manipulate you. We're not here to do what Haman has accused us of doing. So they're doing two things, right? And the one I chose to focus on was the Holy War in the difficulty. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. they're also clearing their name. Right. With the rest of the world. So right. that that was the the piece that I was I was I would like to have brought in, but you know, for for ten reasons or another, I decided not to. Well, thank you for
0: bringing it up, now, Pastor Jim. I'm going to go ahead and jump into our second question. Let's here. do it. All right, great. So, uh, in your sermon, you brought out the fact that they're celebrating Purim, right?
1: Purim, yes.
0: Pur- uh, yeah, I know. There's,
1: there's, there's, there's like 16 different ways to I gotta, say it.
0: I gotta pronounce it Purim. I know.
1: Purim. You heard me say poor, or pure for the singular, and then Purim mm-hmm. is is how the modern day. Yeah festival is interesting yeah um, so anyway sorry go ahead anyway all right well anyway the festival
0: that begins with a p uh, that we spoke of <laughs> uh this uh celebration uh you talked about or you exhorted us to obligate ourselves mm-hmm. to the lord's day amen not as a burden but as a celebration right yes. christ is victorious he's risen um such a wonderful thing but jim uh, maybe for some of our listeners who might not be familiar with the Lord's Day, they might mm-hmm. not have come from a tradition that uh, practices rest on the Lord's Day, what do we mean by rest on the Lord's Day? Uh, and also, I want to add another question to that. Why do we worship in the evening on the Lord's yeah, Day? Yeah, good question.
1: You're going to have to ask me that second one again, because I'm going to forget in this answer Okay. Uh, of your first question. So just heads up there. But, sure, sure. <clears throat> the... Um, all right. So the the general way I'm going to answer this is, the Bible talks about Sabbath in two ways. Generally, generally we have two concepts of the Sabbath that are united in one sort of big capital S Sabbath understanding of the Bible, mm-hmm. but both function uh, uniquely. Okay. The first mention of the Sabbath, of course, is in creation, mm-hmm. and so what that. What that tells us is that a, a, an aspect of true Sabbath, true rest, is physical rest, mm-hmm. is creational, mm-hmm. is um, uh, uh, resting from your labors, mm-hmm. okay, in the sense of uh, uh, don't work. If your ox is in a ditch, according to Jesus, of course, but insofar as it, as, as it depends upon us, we ought not work. On the Sabbath, right. right? We ought to set aside a seventh of our time uh, to the Lord uh, by by resting. Okay, and there's a lot of things we could say in that. I mean, there's um, there's studies out right now. I mean, the work from home movement is huge. In the United States, mm-hmm. there's tons of studies that are being conducted that you're actually more productive across, you know, more efficient across less time and that sort of stuff. If you work from home, you cut out the drive, you cut out a lot of different things, you know, blah blah blah. Um, but everyone knows that if you just go constantly and have no rest, mm-hmm. that's not good. No, right? it's not. God knows how He made us, right? The second way the Bible talks about Sabbath rest is resting in the Lord. Mm-hmm. And so you're giving that seventh of your time, the time where you rest, to Him, mm-hmm. right? And so the this, of course, is the, these two uh, concepts find their full, true meaning, um, their connected meaning, their capital S, Sabbath meaning in the Fourth Commandment, right? Mm-hmm. Where God uh, not only says, don't work, mm-hmm. but keep it holy. Mm-hmm. And so there's an aspect here of of how the you know the Sabbath. Some people say primarily physical rest. Some people say primarily you know spiritual. Whatever. Uh, I, I I think if you if you try and make one primary, you're missing the the other. Mm-hmm. The the radical thing about the Lord's Day that I think a lot of people coming to our tradition uh, uh, this is what I try and impress upon them that real physical rest isn't as restful as it should be without being coupled with spiritual rest, Mm -hmm. okay? So uh, this is sort of the way that I I tell people of my generation. This is how I illustrate it for them. Go and sit on your couch for an hour and uh, open up Netflix, right? Go to Hulu. Go on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook or whatever Mm -hmm. and scroll. Watch. Consume, right? Go do that. And then a week later, do the same thing. Dedicate that hour to physical rest, but instead Mm -hmm. do something a little different. Spend the first ten minutes in prayer. Uh, Read your Bible for the next twenty minutes, thirty minutes. Uh, uh, Pick up a book on sermons from somebody. Mm -hmm. Read read one of those. Uh, Go sit outside. Uh, and enjoy the good weather, man. Uh, fall is finally here in Asheville, And it is fabulous. Uh, I haven't sweat in like two weeks. It's incredible. Um, <laughs> that's not true. But go do that. And then then here's what we're going to do. You're going to tell me which one was more restful. Which one was more energizing. And I'm going to bet every penny I own that it's not the one where you were consuming. Mm-hmm. Where you were filling yourself now, I'm not saying those things are bad inherently, right? I'm, right? There is there is a time for entertainment. But what I'm saying is, when you couple both a physical rest with a spiritual resting in the Lord, in the Lord's finished work, in trusting His salvation, in trusting His redemption for you, in celebrating His love for His children, mm. when you do those two things, you are more rested. Um. I uh, 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 have a, had a professor in um, uh, seminary. His name's John Curd. He's got an excellent commentary on the book of Exodus. It's right there. We record this in my office, so it's right there. It's excellent. Uh, you need it if you don't have it, my, my mm-hmm, friend. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in, in his exposition of the Fourth Commandment, <clears throat> he has this little application section, and he, he says in there, and I'm not going to get this exactly right. I'm paraphrasing. But he says in there, essentially, how often do we not evangelize for lack of time? How often do we not pray for lack of time? How often do we not read the scriptures for lack of time? How often do we not spend time with our family for lack of time? How often do we neglect good things for lack of time? I got to stay in the office. I got to, I got this deadline I got to do. I got, you know, um, million different things. And then we have church on Wednesday night. And then we have a Bible study. And then we have, you know, um, my friends have a book club, and we're going to book club, right? And then family vacation, which isn't actually very restful because everyone's running around like a chick with a chicken <laughs> head cut off, right? Right? It's just ah, that's how we feel. And and he's like, how often do you not do these things because you don't have time? And then you come to Sunday. You come to the Lord's day. You come to the Lord's Sabbath. And suddenly, you should have a lot of time. Hmm. And yet, and I'm guilty of this too, we neglect to do it. Mm-hmm. right? We still neglect to do those things. But the Sabbath is a delight to God's people because God has set the schedule. Right? God has set our time. He's given us six days to do all that other stuff. And then he says on the seventh, don't. I mean I really um I've been sort of chastised by by some people in in other theological traditions for putting it this way but I'm going to I'm going to stake my flag in the ground. Okay. Not a single one of our listeners not a single one of them would ignore their boss. If their boss said, "Hey, you know what? I'm going to give you every Friday off. You're doing such a great job. You're working so hard. Every Friday don't come into work." Right? Every single one of our listeners would be like, Yeah, (laughs) you're still paying me the same, right? Oh, yeah? Okay, done. Easy. (laughs) Right? You'd take that? Yeah. Everybody would take that. The Lord comes in and says, I have immense blessing for you one day a week. Mm. One day a week. You don't do anything. You work hard for the glory of God for six days, but you take that seventh day off. You take it off. Mm. You rest from your labors. And for some reason, and I know what reason it is, Wilson, but for some reason, you know what reason it is, we're really bad at doing that. Mm -hmm. We are really bad at doing that. And so what it tells me is, one, we're just bad at resting. Two, we're bad at listening to God and trusting Him. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, And three, and so we're bad at trusting God. What I mean by that is we're bad at trusting that God, our Creator, knows our frame and knows we need rest. Right. Right. But we also don't trust God in the sense that I, I was getting at in my sermon. We don't celebrate.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Like, more often than not, in pastoral ministry, I've, I have met with and counseled people who are very anxious, who are very sort of, you know, I gotta go, I gotta go, I gotta go, I gotta do, I gotta do, I gotta do. I gotta do. Very rarely have I met people who are being too still and knowing that He is God, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Right? uh as if that's you know genuinely truly possible you know i've met apathetic people i've met lazy people right, right? i know right. laziness i know overwork right I, I mean we all know these but rarely have i met someone who is being still and knowing that the lord is god and they don't have a good proper understanding of time mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and so the the uh, what i think is we're missing what i think we're missing beyond like we're all overtired We're all overextended. We're all stressed, right? Everybody is. Um, There's not enough time in the day, right? Joshua, I love that story in Joshua where Joshua's like, Lord, keep the sun up, right? There's not enough time. Mm -hmm. There's not enough time. Um, And uh, the Lord has done miraculously extending the sun for us. What he's teaching us is you have the time. Mm. Uh, What he's teaching us is, so it's time to celebrate me. Mm. It's time to celebrate what I've done. And so I asked that question in my sermon, where would you rather be? Right. Where would you rather be on, on the Lord's Day, on the day that He's given to you specifically to take a break? Right. To take a break from the physical labors of this life and to particularly celebrate by taking a break from the anxieties of this life to celebrate what God has done. Right to rest in him in that way it's right? a rehearsal of the rest
0: that is to come exactly in christ i i used to have a professor who would say you know if this is kind of the funny way he would put it but he'd say uh, if you can't you know sing to the lord now like if you're miserable and singing how are you going to do it for eternity and i think we could sort of apply that to the lord's day you know how how if we can't you know, take some of our time. Take this day out of our mm-hmm. week to enter into the Lord's rest. And how are we going to, you know, do that for each Yeah, time?
1: and that that's what I did in the sermon, I think. I, I, at least I tried. Was to say, um, all of us want the presence of God. All of us are longing. Mm. We're desperate for Jesus to come back. For us to be in His midst. And to never be separated from Him again. And so... If your answer to the question is, where would you rather be in eternity? Well, of course it's with Jesus. I want to be with Jesus. There has to be some sense in which, well, hey, then you're going to be with the church. Mm. Right? Now, are there legitimate reasons not to be with God's people? Right, yeah, right. Absolutely. Yes. If you're ill, if you're sick, of course, uh, if you're out of town, we don't expect you to, you know, skip your vacations on Sundays and be back at CRPC. Right, right. right. I would encourage you to go to a local body and encourage them and meet them because we're all one church rather than, you know, you know, it feels like we're disparate, you know, completely separated churches, but we're not right. Uh, We get a lot of visitors here in Asheville on vacation. Obviously we're a vacation destination. So I'd encourage our listeners to do that too, obviously. So I'm not saying in some legalistic sense that you are not accepted by God unless you come to church on Sunday. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is as you are accepted in God, God's presence is with his people. God's presence is in his means of grace. So Isaiah tells us famously, right, uh, seek the Lord while he may be found. Mm. And I think that there is a sense in which also the scriptures tell us, seek the Lord where he may be found. Mm. Right? Um, and uh, the Lord has told us that he particularly manifests his presence with his people in corporate worship on the Lord's day. Mm. Um, and uh, and so we need to take that seriously. Uh, and we need to follow... Uh, the, the wisdom of those who have come before us in, in doing it and we need to we need to recognize that that you know getting the family to church on Sunday doesn't very, seem very physically restful right but it's nourishing to the soul right right And one thing that I've noticed right and, and um, I got a little baby girl uh, I got a little boy with us right now um, and uh, so we go home we eat, they nap, uh, do quiet time, I generally try and sneak my nap in, my wife lays down on the couch, physical rest, right? And then we get up, um, and we're sort of waiting on evening worship. So I'm getting to the second part of your question. Mm-hmm. We're waiting on evening worship, right? And I've realized just how much time there is between morning and evening worship. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've realized there's a lot of time to rest. There's a lot of time in there to to really delight in God, and another thing that I'll say just briefly, because I actually I, I didn't practice this until I got here. And Pastor Sean does this. I hope he doesn't mind me telling you this. Um, but um, uh, he really uh, encouraged me by telling me that uh, he tries to say yes to to a lot of things on the Sabbath, mm-hmm. right? So, uh, uh, you know, things that we would normally say no to, right? No, dude, you just had a snack an hour ago. That's what you know. We're we're trying to re- build a routine for this little guy in our house, right? But on the Lord's Day, dude, yeah, get fat and happy, right? Enjoy. Eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow the Lord comes, right? It's mm. Sort of like that. like, uh, Yeah, we want this to be a foretaste of the Lord's blessing on you. So, dude, if another graham cracker is going to be just the thing that puts you on top today, <laughs> if it's the thing that you want, go for it, right? Because it's just another graham cracker. That's not a license to sin, obviously. right. right. Yeah. But it's just, yeah, absolutely. And so, like, his girls, they eat ice cream. Right. Sundays uh, on Sunday. Sundays on Sunday. Right? And that's amazing. That's Doesn't that change your view of the Lord's Day? Like, not only are we taking a break from our labors, not only are we taking a break from anxieties, not only are we taking a break from these things, but we're also taking a break from, like, these restrictions that are ultimately good. But, yeah, we can delight in food. We can delight in time. We can delight in... Uh, these other things. So I encourage people, yeah, you, you don't have time to read a book that you really like and like you're you're sort of desperate to do that, but you get home from work and blah, blah, blah. Do Sunday afternoons. Mm-hmm. Rejoice in the creativity that God has given to somebody else. That's a great idea. It's a wonderful idea. Um so say yes as much as you can. A lot of people think the Sabbath is saying no, 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 no. And that's not true. Actually, um, there's a lot of things you can do to say yes. So my wife and I we have really tried to take that to heart, and one of our sort of guilty pleasures, this is going to sound so lame, one of our guilty pleasures is just a frozen pizza, <laughs> right? It's just so easy, and it's pizza, so you're like, I oh. don't know, you know, we try to eat healthy, we try to do chicken and rice and vegetables and blah, 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 yeah. so Sunday evenings have become pizza night for us, All right, and it's just, it's one Let's of my favorite times. Giorno pizza. No, dude, whatever. no, 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 we are, we are way cheaper than that, it's Red Baron, baby. Okay. Go get yourself yeah. a Red Baron frozen pizza. We'd like pizza to yet. thank our sponsor for this, yeah, yeah <laughs> right. just kidding. Just kidding. Right. We have no sponsors. But uh, <laughs> uh, no, dude, we, it's, it, that time has come become so sweet to me, and it's it's become a time where Madeline and I really pour into each other. Mm. We re- recap the week. We talk about the upcoming week. Um, it's 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 a time where both of us feel very recharged in one another. Mm. It's just guilty pleasure pizza and time together, man. So uh, why do we do evening worship? Yes. Right? You didn't have to remind me. I'm proud of you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, <laughs> I do a couple things right. Um, so e- evening worship. Okay. So I'm not going to do it justice here because uh, this podcast is getting pretty long. Yes, it is. So it's our longest. Let me, Yeah. Let me give you uh, a couple different reasons. One, where would you rather be? Right? Two, uh, it is a practice that we see in Scripture It mm-hmm. doesn't make it mandatory uh, in, in sort of a, a thou shalt not kill sense, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does make it, I believe, uh, uh, ultimately wise. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and so we see morning and evening sacrifices in the Old Testament. We see morning and evening worship practiced mm-hmm. uh, in the early church. We see morning and evening worship practiced um, uh, throughout the church's history. Uh, what's interesting, actually, is uh, the, this sort of innovation of just a morning service, Um, that a lot of churches do, and then sort of a Bible study sort of paradigm and all that. Not smack in Bible studies, I love Bible studies. But that sort of paradigm of just morning worship, and that's the only worship time we have, is very foreign in the life of the church, generally speaking. Right. Calvin preached almost every day in Geneva. Yeah. So that's the Reformers. Paul was meeting with the disciples of Christ every day Mm. in the New Testament. Right. So I love Sinclair Ferguson. Sinclair Ferguson actually says, "Well, if you want to practice what the Bible practices, well, the Bible has more evening services than morning services, right? Uh, and so actually, it seems that the evening service is more primary. <laughs> it almost seems that way, right? One, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but what? How do we practice? Well, the morning service is sort of the big one. Right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so uh, that that's that. I think it's it's ultimately wise. Um, I think it matches New Testament practice. Uh, but uh, third, uh, if I could say third, maybe it's fourth. I don't know. Lost count." Uh, I'm just going to circle back to number one. Where would you rather be? Um, uh, where would you rather come? Where would you rather go uh, than to be once again with your brothers and sisters in Christ in the house of the Lord to receive right. more yeah. of Jesus? Yeah,
0: if it's a rehearsal of where we're going for right. eternity, why would we not want a taste of that now? It's Absolutely. a foretaste.
1: Yeah, so it's it's almost like, um, you know, this sort of happens in my life. Um, Madeline will make a meal and I ensure that she makes a ton of it so that I can have lunch the next day and the next day and the next day and the next day of that meal, right? One of my favorite meals, taco soup, baby. And when we make taco soup, and I'm thinking about this because we're going to have it tonight, I'm going to have taco soup for the next week for lunch. And it is my favorite thing in the world to just keep eating that meal, right? right. I'm sort of boring, I guess, in that way. And what I the, the, the illustration here is uh, I think Jesus— should be so sweet to us, should be so desirable to us, that we want more, mm. and more, and more, and more, and more Jesus. Um, and so that's why we practice, that's a, a, that's a very short snippet of why we practice evening worship at Covenant Reformed, is because we want more Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, and we think our forefathers in the faith, we think the history of the Church has taught us um, that more is better. Mm. More Jesus is always better. Um and so uh uh I forget who said this and I want to say they got it from a puritan okay so you you're the puritan expert here so I don't you correct know about me that, but I'll try to help but someone once told me I'm pretty sure it was it was from a, a puritan that the morning service almost knocks off the dust of the world so that you're prepared to receive evening worship Wow, I, I have not heard that, so, but that sounds like a so Puritan like set. all of your anxiety and stuff has been sort of left at the altar in the morning. So you yeah. come in the evening and you are the most receptive that you could be. Oh man, for yeah. Jesus, and cool. I love that imagery, man. Yeah, that's that, great. That, that the the world, the dust of the world has been washed off in the morning, so that we can fully receive in the evening. Mm-hmm. And I love that. I think that's that's how I feel in the evening yeah. as I come to the evening. Uh, after a long afternoon of of physical rest, of pouring into my family, of my family pouring into me, uh, and I come back and I receive the word again. Mm. right? And then the kids go out and they enjoy each other's fellowship afterwards. Uh, The time after evening service, the fellowship after evening service has become very, very particularly sweet to me. Mm. Um, So, uh, yeah, that's my answer. Uh, If our our friends, if our listeners have more questions about that, I would love to... um, uh, to talk more about that. All right. But yeah, Wilson, that might,
0: that might be all we have time for. That today. is all this we have time a, for. But I want to say, podcast. man,
1: this has been awesome to do it with you. Awesome. Um, I am confident you uh, and I will come back at some point. Yes. Uh, and, uh, and and um, as we now deprive our listeners of, of this excellent thing, this excellent uh, repertoire that we have gotten into together, uh, we will be back. Uh, perhaps Wilson the words and I of will start uh, to... Uh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Perhaps we will start watering seeds after dark. After dark. Yeah. Uh, but until <laughs> then, my friend, this has been super great. Thank you so much for everything. Yes, thank you, Pastor Jim. And, uh, and we will hopefully do this again soon. Yes. See you, brother. Adios.